Welcome back to the podcast, Metalheads. We are the band Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, or an alternative rock band from Southern California. And this is our music podcast. We talk about all kinds of things, music, our journey through the industry, influences, all that good stuff, everything in between. Uh, short introduction again, this is Megan Rice. I am the vocalist of Metal. This is Scott Mr. Glass Gossett. I am the guitar player. <laughs> That's true. He is a guitar player. I'm Tang. I play lead bass. So we are missing Roy Hernandez, our drummer. He finally got to join us in the last episode, but he is a busy man. He's got he's got places to be. So he'll be he'll be on the podcast here and there. And um, yeah, we can't wait to have him back. So for now, you have us three, but that's all right because we are. We are sweeter than apple pie. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh, yes. So, as you guys know, and for new listeners, this is how we do it. Every week, a different band member gets to choose the band or artist of the week. So, this week, I chose Radiohead because of their influence on me as an artist. And I think they're a really important one to talk about for a variety of reasons. So, without further ado, we're going to discuss Radiohead. So, I'll start us off. One of the things about Radiohead that I want to start off by saying is that Radiohead reminds me of kind of a theme in my life that Scott and I especially always talk about where we say musicians are really good at making them at making us hate them when they just want to be really pretentious. And that ended up being so true with Radiohead. And I know we always kind of end up just shit-talking every podcast. But I feel like that's kind of what, you know, comes out of good conversation is critique, right? So as much as I have a lot of love and respect. Well, yeah, and I mean, even when you think about, like, family, yeah. those are usually the people you shit on the most yeah. because, because you love them. You know what I mean? Exactly. And the worst part about, like, I can already tell how pretentious they are because he spells his name Tom. With, with an H. T-H-O-M. Yes. Tom. Yeah. Tom if York. your name is Tom and you spell like that, die. Yes, so we're going to get into all the good, bad, and in-between about Radiohead, but yeah, that's to kind of show you where our mindset, or at least my mindset is. Fucking dumb. Pretentious band, but I I love them for a lot of reasons. So the the band started, it's an English rock band, it was formed in 1985. To give you a little context, they're they're (laughs) members are... (laughs) Tom York, Tom York, who's the main vocalist. Tom, Tom, Tom York, main vocals. He he plays oh, but he plays the guitar and the mm-hmm. piano and the keyboards and all that because he can't just be the vocalist. He has to be, you know. Of course. He has to be more than that. Johnny Greenwood on guitar, keyboards, and orchestral instruments. How many keyboards do they have? Apparently twelve. Twelve. And, yes, and a tuba. Colin and a tuba. Colin Greenwood. Greenwood, who's obviously Johnny's brother, he's just the bass player. There's like no other instruments attached well, to him. Well, it's because it's hot as fuck. And he's probably to like the, the least pretentious one then. He's like, dude, just I just, play this. So he just, just put that fucking He probably on there. also plays that Thurman shit on the side when right. he's like not hitting the bass notes. And then Ed O'Brien, he is guitar and backing vocals, and Philip Selway, drums and percussion. Percussion. I love that's all kinds of percussive instruments involved. It's just like kazoos that are like that. That's <laughs> like not percussive. Little... No, I know. I'm just being a dick. So I have here because I'm an ass. Is 
I described them as pompous little rich boys that went to a private all-boys school and that they were very privileged and educated. And that's pretty much how they formed this group was because they were all at their little rich boy private school. Kind of like Incubus, like we were saying. Yeah. Like, I mean, they like they weren't at a private school, Mm-mm. but they all went to Calabasas High School. Right. And they were rich together. Well, and the thing is, too, is that uh, even when you watch you know interviews and documentaries about them, not necessarily coming from their perspective, but when people talk about them, they always talk about how unlike the English bands that were kind of big at the time, which were, you know, like a clash situation where it's like coming from this working class strife that they actually were like coming from this, oh, we're so educated and artsy and and more refined. I kind of disagreed, but they were uh, talked about as having like this, they entered the rock arena from like a different perspective. Well, I'm glad you bring that up. And I didn't think we were going to have to take like this kind of a stray already. Yeah, but it's okay. Like, I think like, from a philosophical standpoint, because this is something I always talk about with human beings in general, typically people who come from privilege, in my opinion, and have never really had to deal with any real diversity in their life, mm-hmm. they do kind of create these these false pretenses, sure. like pretentious like scenarios of what they are because they're trying to be interesting. Yeah, like they they didn't grow up in a poor area where like they were afraid to get beat up walking down the street. Yeah, and they didn't have to deal with all of these like divisive things. You yeah. know what I mean? I agree. So it's like a lot of the times they almost manufacture their personality because they didn't have any character building things that happened for them growing up. Oh, but Tom will tell you that he's had Tom. Tom will tell you that he's overcome a lot because he had an eye problem, which I wrote in my notes. Tom had some stupid eye problem and was in hospitals for it. This was the weird part. Zach was a redhead. Right? Zach is the bass player in our band. He introduced himself as Tang for all those people who uh, don't know. But... um, he was in and out of hospital for this eye problem. And for some bizarre reason, which I don't understand why this little kid is being exposed to this, he was exposed to or had run-ins with the mental patients at the hospital. And somehow this, um, these run-ins really traumatized him. And again, this is like more from outside sources speaking of him. And they're like, oh, and in these incidences that were traumatizing and bizarre at such a young age they're like yeah Yeah. like we we may be crazy but at least we have working eyes Eyes. yeah Yeah. at least my name's not thumb (laughs) god and then now that has like somehow influenced his warped view and then now he's so artsy and just completely messed up because his eye led him to meet a couple mental patients i don't know it sounded as crazy as what it sounds like right now and He's constantly described in all of these different... I lived with a mental patient my entire life. Well, that's true. And I was a, that's yeah. why I was kind of laughing. I was like, you know, this is a big eye roll for me because Scott Gossett has a traumatizing past with um, a very mentally ill parent, which we won't go in detail. And I guess because we're so jaded in the ways that we've actually had very crazy things happen to us that when this kid's like, I was in a hospital and saw somebody who was hurt. I'm like, pretty much. That's kind of, I mean, who knows? It could go much more deep. And if we're wrong and we're being dicks, why don't you go uh, argue with us online? Because that's lovely. (laughs) Yeah, why doesn't Thom come argue with us? Yeah. Yeah. Bring all of his thumbs. (laughs) But this is the best part. He was constantly described as a sensitive and frail boy. 
which is already like if you can't see the eye roll in the room, it's like, a, like a frayed popsicle stick. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a bitch. That's oh like... my god, he's just like a scare. He's like a popsicle stick with googly eyes, but one doesn't work. Like that, maybe that's how his mom described him to his teachers and stuff at the beginning of class of the year. Was like, my son, he's he's kind of a bitch. Yeah, so just does, a sensitive and frail boy. Don't you mean sensitive and frail? No, bitch. That he's like, mean. look at me in my good eye. <laughs> my less frail eye. Oh, my God. So, obviously, you know, he's he's such a tortured artist because of these experiences. I thought that was so strange. That I guess that if when you don't have a lot of strife, the one weird story about you has to be so yep. bizarrely inflated that, again, this is not coming from Thom himself. This is coming from people speaking on Thom. Yeah, so he might not even feel this way. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, and honestly, I'm bizarre in the way that even though I want to talk about Radiohead, I really don't like to hear too much from the artists themselves because most of the time it makes me want to bash my head against the wall, especially for Radiohead. I was like, I do cherish a lot of the things that you've done for me as an artist, as well as just, you know, rock in general. So I don't want to hate you that much. So <laughs> I'm already hating you from all the freaking opinions of everybody else talking about you. I can only imagine what the hell is going to come out of your mouth. We should call this episode Opposable Thoms. <laughs> That's amazing. So what's interesting, because we're about to critique, well, at least we're going to get into the critique of their music. Is that their early in the early days of them forming, the band was initially called on a Friday because it was based on the time or the day that they had rehearsal for you know band practice, and um, their early demos sounded very much like REM, which accord which was according to like local booking agents that were obviously booking bands in different venues in the area. But where, that's cool, I, and that's like, exactly I think that's great. Well, what's funny is I like would confuse their early stuff with. You know, I'd, I'm like, oh, isn't this R.E.M.? That's like, me in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they were when they were signed, which was shortly thereafter, they changed their name to Radiohead from, from on a Friday to Radiohead. Well, I'm not sure if they changed the name or the record label changed True. the name. Because most of the time, that's usually what happens. Yeah, sure. Because I had a friend that was in a band that was signed by Columbia Records. Oh. And they like immediately na- made them change their name to what they just wanted their name to be. Oh, yeah. I, their name had changed. How about that? We don't yeah. know who did the change, but they... They had a name change, but yeah, so that was kind of what everybody said early on that they sounded like, and kind of like we always talk about with bands back in the day, (laughs) kind of like we always talk about with bands back in the day, it was much easier to break through because you just had to be a very strong, powerful talent in a local scene, gain a big crowd because, you know, crowds actually went out and watched shows. And the bigger kind of reception you got, kind of dictated by scouts and A&R, people who were out, you know, checking out live music, that's how you were signed. And that's pretty much how Radiohead was signed. So they were trying to break out in the UK and were actually not having a very successful time of it. Creep was their main single that they were pushing at the time. It wasn't getting much traction, but this is what was really interesting. And this was actually something that Scott had brought to my attention quite a while ago when we were talking about pushing our music and our strategies. And he said, and this is true, that Creep was first made popular in Israel. And that once it gained popularity in Israel, again, they're in the UK, other, you know, other countries started playing the song, which caught the attention of a San Francisco DJ. Yeah, maybe and we can like, pause for a second well, there. Yeah, well, I was going to say that. And that's how they blew up. So kind of rewinding, interesting. Yeah, and I was going to say, for anybody who's out there making music 
and they feel like, oh, like, you know, not like nobody cares or like maybe only a few people care. Most normal average people don't really they, they don't have the uh, like the actualized mind themselves to be able to even make up what they like. Mm hmm. So they need to hear from other people that this is something cool and acceptable yeah. and something that you can like so that then they're ready to embrace that and say, oh, yeah, I could like this because there's a social proof because yes. a lot of them aren't strong enough. And what they'll actually want to do is make sure that they have the support of their friends when they go to tell their friends, oh, hey, check out this band. I think they're really cool. Well, when they can already say like, like if their friend goes, oh, that band's lame. Yeah. Well, they could be like, well, everybody else likes it. So you're the weird one. You're the weird one. You I know what I mean? It's funny. That's even scary to people though. Like, oh, I know. Like I, your friend saying that something lame is like, okay, fuck you. You yeah. know what I mean? But people's like, identities are so tightly wrapped up in the us versus them culture when it comes mm -hmm. to music that I oh, think yeah. that that's really what it is. And I mean, this we always kind of get a little bit philosophical in this podcast. That's how we yep. are. But when your identity is so wrapped up in what you're interested in, mm -hmm. when your interests do not align with what you think your click is, then you feel who you have like this existential dread come over you. Like, who am I then? Because, you know, if my friends, my clique who I identify with don't approve of this, I must not be part of the in group. Well, and everybody knows too, that usually in a clique, especially like if we're talking about like, like high school people, for right. example, there is a tastemaker. Yes. There's always one person True. in the group yeah. who you're going to have to run everything by to make sure that that's cool. You know what I mean? So if, you think that they're not going to like it, you're going to need a lot of backup to have to sell that to them, for example. Yes. And that's why I think things like this happen. They weren't popular in the UK. The UK was just like, oh, yeah, they're just another regular band who gives a shit. They get popular in Israel. Then yeah. all of a sudden, oh, it's the, oh, this is like a cool thing. Like, oh, what's this weird, cool band getting popular out of Israel? Then all the radio stations in the US pick it up. And now the UK is like, well, shit, we can't not play it. So now, obviously, it's cool because the US thinks it's freaking awesome. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it's just lame that it works that way because it's not a different song. Nope. It's been the same song the whole fucking time. You just got to get regime to like it first mm -hmm. well and that's kind of where the point came for us as our band you know metal on me ttle uh we i always have to spell it because i swear people are going to think we're just a metal band and that happens all the time uh but we actually tried to think about using that as a technique you know with our advertising we do a lot of facebook ads as our main form of getting our music out there which has shown a lot of success i mean all of our success is due to facebook advertising and we target non-USA countries, obviously, because, duh, I mean, there's more countries than just this. Nope. And that is a strategy to get a bigger following in another country and suddenly, boom. So moving on from kind of their strategy of how they broke out, since they got really popular with Creep, of course, Tom, this is the beginning of the end for me, even it's his first song really vocalized in the public and continues to vocalize how much he dislikes Creep. He hates playing it. He doesn't like that he's known for that song, which is something on a philosophical level that I get frustrated with. Because as much as there are songs within our own discography that I am not, I don't absolutely love, and I think maybe doesn't define me as an artist, if there is a big attachment by you know, your audience and the people who support your music, I would never trash that song or suggest that it's like 
it's, oh, you have poor taste if you like this particular song of mine. Well, yeah, because if it means something to them, then it means something. And it really doesn't matter how over it you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's so dick to well, do that. No, and, yeah, and being realistic, I feel like when, like if we get to that point, when we get that point, whatever we're going to say about that, that you, you at that point, as much as you know, you're the artist and people are coming there to see you, they're coming there to see their favorite songs. Yes. You know what I mean? They're, like, they're going to spend their money, and you, usually as an artist, you probably have a lot of money, and you have the luxury to not have to go to work every fucking day from nine to five, and this is like one of the one fun things they get to fucking do, yeah. and they care about this song, and it means so much and to for them. for you to trash it, it's like... Well, you know, that's what ugh. I'm saying. It's like, like to me, that's like that's scummy all on its own. In poor taste. Well, and, yeah, keep it to yourself. Like, yeah, maybe you lament having to play it over and over again because you feel like you're more than this one song, yes. but they're not telling you you're only that one song. Song. Thank you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that, all they're saying is, "Is I love this song," and they're so happy that you made it for them that it would make their day to hear it. Yes. Yeah, and it's like you, like, you said, pay your heart. They, you know, these people nine to five jobs. These concerts are not cheap. Yeah, they're paying hard money. They're excited. It's an emotional connection. For exactly. Them. You have no idea what context they heard that, like, oh, that song got me through my mom dying. Yeah, exa- and, exactly. And you're just trashing that for them. And it's like that to me. Like I've spoken on other podcasts about that the feedback loop that I say for me art is about that that actual loop that happens between artist and you know the audience whether that be a, a person looking at a painting a person watching a play a group of people listening to music at a concert and there is this loop that the artist is performing the audience is taking in and reacting and then again that energy is just kind of constantly going back and forth and what happens in that room is so powerful for people even if you're just a person sitting on your laptop listening through your you know computer speakers that feedback loop is happening obviously the artist at that point is not getting it but the the audience person listening is still having that interaction they're still in that you know space and so for you to completely trash that it breaks it breaks the magic of what it is to have art i think maybe the best way to sum this up too is even if you don't think that the work sums you up yes so you're gonna say like i don't even think that this song represents me anymore well to some extent once you put your music out there it doesn't represent you anymore anyway. Yeah. An excellent example is me and Zach were talking about Ryan Adams earlier. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like with all of the controversy that happened with him recently, I mean, I don't really want to get into that because it's just like a big clusterfuck of stuff. But the song still exists. Yes. It true. does not matter who he is. You cannot like him and you cannot want to support him. But to deny the fact that some of the songs that he made don't touch you and just have this you know, like amazing quality to them is just, you know, it's like asinine. You, you can't just because the person turned out to be somebody who you might not respect so much. It does not change the fact that the quality of the material that they released and even the feeling that they might've had when they put it out was still there. You know what I mean? True. And that lingers forever. I mean, it's like, like, uh, like I know that everybody's probably make fun of me, but this like gives me chills to like, think about this, but it's like when you think about light in space and how they always talk about like time travel and the way that everything would work and like light just shooting out 
It takes forever to get to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then once it passes you, it's still happening. Whatever you put out there is still happening. Whatever that feeling was mm-hmm. still goes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter that you've changed because that's still continuing for you know infinity. And in that time, speaking of good marketing online, we just got a comment on our video ad that said... Just added both of your EPs to my library. Good stuff. Nice. And stuff like this that as an artist, I mean, that makes my day. And no matter how many times we get good, bad, indifferent, it's always so cool to hear that kind of stuff, that feedback. Because I mean, I thought it was relevant considering we were just talking about what it means to be an artist and what your music can mean to people. And that has happened. That's a good point. So shout out to Mike Santee. So if he actually listens to this, yeah, that'd be really cool. Thank you for that. Because honestly... That means a lot to us. But I think that, you know, I've gotten so many, we've gotten so many messages from people saying what a certain song has helped them through or has created them like, a you know, an inspiration to start writing instead of doing a destructive behavior. And that, to me, I would never, ever want to ruin that by saying something as so thoughtless as being like, well, I just hate that song and I don't want to perform it anymore and I'm sick of it. Because for me, it's like every time I kind of feel like, ugh, I, maybe I personally as Megan don't feel like this encapsulates me, I then, I then remember those messages and I think it gives it, a, like you were saying, Scott, kind of gives it a new life for me that I'm no longer singing it as my song that I created and I'm just over it's like I'm do I'm doing something for somebody that like it's kind of like a collective unconscious, like a you know it it's speaking to somebody and it means something for somebody else and it's like you're performing that and I know that might get deep and that might even be pretentious and whatever but I you know it's how I feel. When me and Megan were seeing Third Eye Blind <gasps> in Indio. Oh, I know, and we got totally ruined by this. Yeah. Yes, and we love the song God of Wine. And Stephen Jenkins decided mm-hmm. right before they closed the set to oh. close everything. I think it might even have been an encore song. Yeah. And right before he plays it, he goes, yeah, like an interesting fact about this song is I wrote all the lyrics on the floor of the studio before I had to sing it in 15 minutes. And we we're like, really? Like, so you just pulled this song out of your ass when it like for the longest time it felt like it meant like yeah. so, so much. much. Yeah. And you're like, so it didn't even mean that much to you. But, but like, that's, yeah. it, and if you think about it, that's still what's kind of cool about what we were just saying is yeah. you put it out there and it means what it means once it gets out there because he didn't even have that intention in the first place. Well, like what we were saying earlier is like a song is its own entity once it leaves the studio exactly. and in, is in your ears, you know? Totally. Which kind of brings me to talking about what I feel like is a kind of like the rise and fall of Radiohead uh, because I do feel like it's really important to discuss this in the, in the context of music and what that means. Because I will make the hot take comment, Megan's unpopular opinions, because I always say all my opinions are always unpopular, that there is, no, there is no music in the top 40 that anybody will give a shit about 25 years from now. And Agreed. I will 100% yeah. debate each and every one of you if you want to give me song by song. And I'm not talking about any song created right now. I'm saying in the top 40, what popular music is trying to suggest popular media is trying to suggest is the music that we, you know, we have curated. This is the best of the best, the catchiest of the catchiest. Here's what we got. Nothing, nothing nowadays, top 40, can ever be a meaningful thing in 25 years. You cannot say that if you were to rewind back to the 90s, to the 80s. Songs in the top 40 back then are songs people are dancing to at their weddings now. 
There's songs that people mm-hmm. have as like, this was when I had my first kiss and it actually, I sang this to my girlfriend or I played this on the radio to my dying fucking grandma. You know, I mean, there's actual heavy shit in the top 40 that happened, you know, 80s and 90s. Or even that, in, especially in the 70s. Like uh, 70s, yes, in my too, opinion, yes. is like the best time for pop rock. Well, and I'm just saying that like as of... um uh, as close to now, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I'm saying after probably the nineties, it probably starts to, you know, kind of dissolve away. Well, and even now, like, you know, somebody we were listening to earlier, I think that maybe you could say Ed Sheeran is one of the only people who are making something that might make people feel something. Sure. But what's weird is, is it still doesn't do it for me. It's still there's still formulaic. Yeah. There, well, mm-hmm. there's just something yeah. that there's just something about it that, feels disingenuine yes like it's almost like he's writing songs for ch- for that like yeah, to like try to like for one tree make hill people feel mm-hmm. like feel something yeah and some people might and again that goes back to that same thing that like that won't matter they might listen to an ed sheerhan song you know 20 years from now and that might make them feel something and yeah. that's fine like i said like to me it doesn't really do it and there's something about it that does feel a little plastic and sterile well because like you can say you can definitely say yes people are getting married to Ed Sheerhan songs and I know that there's going to be probably a few exceptions but the fact of the matter is is I would I would argue 99.9 because percent wise because if you were to take you two you two and the police who were in the top you know top 40 in their heyday yeah and the music they were making and honestly compare it to an ed sheerhan or anybody else who's in top 40 right now or just even like the chords and the complexity and thank yeah. you and that's more what i'm talking about and that's what i actually would challenge anybody else who wants to discuss this or debate this with us is what separates it is that there's no way in how you're going to convince me that they're on the same caliber because as much as like i do give massive kudos for the you know the catchiness oh, it's good melodies and, yeah. yeah good melodies I would like to look up because a lot of the times I do look up with artists, especially these days, um, songwriters. And if they are really a majority of their own work or if they have a lot of songwriters on board, because that actually, you know, it means everything to me, even though I'm a big Pat Benatar fan and she had nothing but songwriters in her heyday. Mm -hmm. It means something. It means that as an artist, you're not truly, in my opinion, an artist. Again, hot take. But it's like, but if you're not writing your own music, then you're just a singer. You know, and that's fine. You're a singer, but you're not creating the music. So therefore, and the you know, creative the, to sell and just be like disposable cups. And that's what I'm too. saying. Yeah. It's like it's more at that point. It becomes okay. I understand that you have a passion for singing, and I'm getting so derailed. But it's like at a certain point, you need to understand when the artist is the one with the work and the and the reason for why they're saying what they're saying. That to me is why people have a genuine connection to the material. Definitely agree. So I I digress, but I really want to talk about how music in in this like hot take of oh doing stuffing doing stuffing doing stuff new and b- pushing the boundaries and blah 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 blah. And let me start with you know the first album Pablo Honey. Pablo Honey came out and obviously you know we have Creep on there, but it was a it was you know a traditional rock album it didn't have a terrible amount of really catchy rock songs on there but i mean it was it was a late 80s kind of more alt rock not alt rock indie rock album to me that's how i took it when you go into the bins their second album that's when i feel like they're starting to really shine Mm -hmm. because it's rock but they are making their own sound it's not just rem well 
one thing that might be interesting, and I don't know if this take has been discussed before, before you even get into the bins, is to remember how everybody said that in Creep, that they actually completely got sued yes. and ripped because they were ripping off the Hollies, the air that I breathe mm-hmm. song. Yeah. Do you ever wonder if maybe part of the reason Thom hates <laughs> that that song Creep oh. is because who, how, like the, he said that he wanted to make oh, a song it's a rip off. Rev, reminiscent of that song. And I almost wonder if the reason why he hates it is, is because, because they got famous off of it, but that was his intention. He wanted to like, he mm. knew that he was going to take something that could easily be popular. And it was almost like it didn't mean anything to him in the first place. And he made it on purpose mm. because he knew that that would be something that would sell. That's mm. an actually very, I mean, we don't have the answer. So yeah, that's a it, very a, interesting take. Yeah, something that I had been thinking about for a little bit because and I do get because it is such a direct ripoff. Let us know, Thumb. He did say already yeah. he wanted to make a song like that. True. Okay. And that chord progression yeah. is so unstandard. Okay. okay. Like, okay, so. And this is good to know. See, yeah. this is like part of it that's interesting. I'm trying to think. It starts on G, right? G. Yeah, so I, it's either minor to major on the sixth, I believe. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not, like, I could look it up right now, but I mean, like, just going off the top of my head. But the, the reason why it's. It is actually it a problem. Was, well, so significant that like it w- it was definitely intentional. Okay. Because the the last chord in the progression, I don't remember if it goes from minor to major, but it goes either minor to major or major to minor yeah. on the same chord. So like mm. you you don't ever again you, you don't play a C minor and a C saying. major in the same key, mm-hmm. but that's what that chord progression does. Okay. Like, so to even think about doing that, you have to be so thinking about that song because of the way that progression goes. It it is just the same chord progression, and mind you, there are a million songs with the same chord progression. You don't yes. you don't argue that like that's just like yeah whatever. But for it to do that same thing, and it's he so has specific. to have I see. taken it from that when he already said that he was trying to make something like that because yeah. it's so specific to it that it's like. You, you can't even argue it because it never happens. People just don't do that, especially in popular music. Yeah. Like no, you don't, you're right. Yeah, you don't play like a C minor and then the next following chord is a C major. That, that just doesn't... No, yeah. it. I understand. Yeah. 100% get what you're saying. I just but heard it in just, my head again. I fucked up. It's major to minor. There you go. But that one is... If that's that specific, then totally. Yeah. You know? I won't give them the benefit of the doubt. Their name is Thumb. Okay. <laughs> well, that kind of brings me to like kind of what I was talking about with the, the next album, which was The Benz. And you have a lot of amazing songs. Oh, I mean, fuck yeah. That yeah. CD was nuts I mean, awesome. High and Dry, Fake Plastic Trees. I just like, that was an... Mine, mine is Street Spirit. Yeah. And I want to talk about that in a second. Street, yeah. It's really good. No, I mean, and I think and Black Star. I mean, I, I can listen to this album and truly enjoy like the whole thing. I mean, there's obviously standouts. You have your favorites, but it was really well done. It was catchy. Like there, there is catchy, you know portions of their songs which again the reason why i bring that up is because that goes away it was traditional it was a you know traditional song structure it was a rock album but it it had these soft undertones it had awesome interesting you know tones and great i mean i just love the lyrics i do love tom york's like ability to tell a very specific and interesting story i, t- I totally agree he he's such an awesome lyricist in the way that 
like I sometimes I always turn to the songwriting and that's why like I say even though I shit on on people I you know I could still appreciate them I will look at his songs when I'm feeling you know stuck because I sometimes get too vague in my storytelling with my lyrics I feel personally like I want to be Mm -hmm. able to be as specific as him like he writes a song and you're like I don't know if I can relate totally because what you're writing about is so specific and so interesting that you're not like saying i fell in love you're you're giving like a very specific uh you know set of lines that mean something to you and they're cool and they're just like what does he mean by that it could literally be gibberish for all i know but the fact of the matter is is that it it is so unique to him and i love his phrasing he makes a lot of really cool choices i love his choices of like going into a softer falsetto i tend to use that honestly oh, yeah, as a vocalist really well. and i and i use it too like i use the way he'll go into these big it sounds like it's about to get big and he brings it into this heady voice and i love that and i will implement that myself and it's like a crooning kind of sorrowful melancholy like sound that i also really like and i'll you know it has inspired me as a vocalist so i just think that the bends as a whole and then we can go obviously down by songs that matter to to each person here um that's really wanted what i wanted to say was like a standout to me is definitely listening to his his vocals and what he came up with for this album well yeah and one thing i want to say for the podcast period so people can have a good frame of reference for what we do like like just like how megan was just gushing about tom york even though we were just trashing him a second ago our whole goal with all of this is just to strip away the bullshit yeah most people put on this air and they try to act like they're they're better than they are and it's not even that they're not i mean like radiohead is awesome you know what i mean like they're a huge band for a reason they're fucking great but we want to see the people in the band and when i say the people i mean the person behind it we don't want to see you acting like mr tom rockstar yeah, yeah, we don't the hear you, yeah your pretentious shit we want you to be you know sitting around the house talking to us like a regular person yeah. because clearly the things that you write mean something to you and we want to hear the meaning and the human meaning yes because that's the thing that frustrates me the most not the sound bitey yeah like, the, like the, you, and like you even like trying to sell yourself as a mm, better person mm, than me it, like yes. what i love about people is that they all have their own story yes you know what i mean and i would love to just sit here and drink with just like, whoever just, just talk like, you know what me. i mean and i don't mean like a rock star or just anybody else who could just be my random friend that i meet on the internet you know what i mean it's it's very interesting to hear their story so i'm not interested in how great they think they are yeah and we're not interested in trying to make ourselves seem greater than we are. Yeah. All we want is just to be a regular fucking person forever and meet regular fucking people. Yeah. And just like you <laughs> yeah. said, freaking humanize. Like yeah, exactly. Humanize and actually have a real genuine connection. Totally. Instead of having to deal with like the false God that they put up. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, obviously, as an explanation, did you want to like go into Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to mention Street Spirit off of yeah, the bins of because there's a very weird thing that I call a personal Mandela effect with that song. Yeah. And that's that the song like invokes so much emotion and it's so driving that I always remember it with drums. And there's no drums in the entire song. But in my head, there's drums. Huh. But then I go back and listen and I'm like, what the fuck? Why do I always think mm. there's drums in this song? There's no percussion. Mm. It's acoustic in him, like the whole song. Yeah. And it's just weird that like I will always remember it having drums. Yeah. You're just putting like symbols in with your 
head. No, just the beat. Yeah. Like it's like because I feel like even the emotion of it's so heavy yeah. that you That's feel good. like it almost should have this kind of like pumping, driving, mm. like percussive thing going on behind yeah. it, but it doesn't exist. But it's not there. And I think I agree with you on that because obviously, you know, I mentioned like a freaking high and dry and fake plastic trees, which I obviously know are like the people are going to yeah. say, well, like those are like the singles. But, you know, a lot of it is a very, a lot of acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. But, but when I think about it, I think of it as a rock album, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying that you can't have an acoustic rock album. I'm just saying that like, I, I think you and I, because of the weight of the songs, mm-hmm. feel like there's something a little bit more heavy about it. Well, and that's what we always explain mm-hmm. about heavy. Yeah. Is that heavy doesn't come from loads of distortion and drop Screaming. C yeah, and drop yeah. C tuning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Heavy really comes from that emotion that you put into it. Sure. And if you can capture that without all of those things that I kind of consider masking for heavy, like I said, like just tuning down to C and just being like. So from the bends, we move into the next album, which was OK Computer. Best one. Best one. <laughs> it's really fucking good. It's a great album. I mean, like. Come on. You got Paranoid Android. You have Exit Music, which I personally love that song. It wasn't like a single or anything, but I love that song. Do you have every fucking song? Karma like Police. It, like the I whole mean, CD? I'm just naming yeah, yeah. them so that people would know. No, you know, no like surprises. Except Paranoid Alien Alien Android is fucking nuts, yeah. too. Like it, it's to me like... Like I, you can see where Muse like got a lot of their influence from them, like just from that song alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was just naming off some stuff so that people had like some context. But yeah, that's definitely. I, I mean, they hit it out of the park. And what I liked about this album that I feel like in what we're about to see is um, kind of a turn. This is like a turning point. Is that they they implemented like especially like you think Paranoid Android and you think of like the beginning of that song. You can hear their like interesting kind of noises that they're bringing in that aren't very clear-cut, like electronic sounds Mm -hmm. that aren't clear-cut guitar sounds. And they're starting to implement that a little bit more into this album. And it worked, though. Like, it was actually clever. Oh, yeah. And we use this to even... Because we have a lot of kind of uh, spacey, vibey... Our music is that style. No, Johnny Greenwood off of that album was a huge influence to me. Perfect. Even back then. I mean, that was even before I was in the chain. Yeah, like, which is well, his old well, I band. Mean, well, 97 was when OK Computer came yeah. out. But I mean, but when I was really, really diving into learning guitar, and I'd say probably like 2002... I mean, well, 2000 three, four-ish, mm-hmm. I listened to this CD so fucking much and That's was just cool. like studying like even like the chords he used and That's like the cool. sounds of all of the guitar stuff. Like he used like a phaser really freaking well. Yeah. There's just like, yeah, like I think a as lot. a band, we like resonate with the vibe of this whole album like a lot. Like very what well, we're yeah. even doing, like a lot of it, like stillness kind of is very like reminiscent of some of what they're doing vibe-wise. Yeah, like more like in the verses and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think that if, you know, people are trying to ask what we sound like a good, a good way is to suggest like, you know, okay, computer-esque Radiohead mm-hmm. um, for a style because they are trying to do a little bit different than your traditional rock. Obviously at the time, this is 97. So you had, you're just coming off of like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You have Allison change you have the whole grunge movement. Yeah. So very different than that. Yes. I mean, what was a uh, freaking, um, uh, Marilyn Manson 
was he coming up during this time? So it's smashing kind pumpkins. Of smashing, yeah. So you're dealing with heavy, real traditional rock stuff. Well, gr- yeah, like the dark, dirty, like kind of stuff. Yeah, the beginning of butt rock. Butt <laughs> rock. But yes, I. You know what's funny mm-hmm. is I didn't even think about the idea that there was a beginning to. Well, butt they rock. have to start. Like, like something a, has like to a in- prehistoric butt rock. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, well, like, that's the name a, of my like movie. A, it's like a BC versus AD. You have yeah, to have ex- exactly. something that sets off the butt rock movement. <laughs> Before Butt Rock. The birth of Butt Rock. <laughs> but yeah, they were doing a, they were making a rock album that was a little bit more interesting. And obviously you can tell the the influences, a big one of their big influences was Pink Floyd. And oh, so yeah. they were trying to make atmospheric, ambient sounds, being, you know, trying to be creative. And it really was this was, you know, well done in this album. And then they totally shit the bed with the next one. Yes. In my mind. And we well, one thing I actually think is funny that I was just thinking about right now mm-hmm. is it seems like a lot of their influences are actually just UK bands. Yeah, sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Like huh. even the Hollies. Yeah, that's true, huh? Like it, it's just actually pretty weird to think that it, it was almost like, they, like, yeah, like lived in this isolated bubble of even though there was tons of popular American music, like, you know, naming stuff like Pink Floyd and then pop stuff like the Hollies mm-hmm. that they didn't, you know, they didn't really stray outside of their country. Well, it's like Pixies and the Smiths, uh, Sonic Youth, like. Well, Smiths are UK. I'm not <laughs> sure about the Pixies, though. Pixies might be US. U2, they even list U2 as a reference. Oh, yeah, it was, sorry, American Pixies is American rock band, but yeah. Uh, the Smiths, but you um, too, obviously, with all the ambience and all the guitar stuff that fucking The Edge does. Oh yeah, oh, the spacey, swelly, like. I mean, he just know. he just experiments with it and does crazy shit, which is a whole other podcast that we definitely need to talk about. But then you get into what I call the downfall, which is freaking Kid A. And I'm sorry, yeah. but every single person is going to argue with all the pretentious music snobs are going to argue with us and be like, well, you don't even understand. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I do understand. If you want to make a bunch of random noises in a key, go for it. Don't tell me that it takes amount of creativity or any amount of audacity or bravery to do that. Especially the lack of creativity. To me, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I always just take it as, it, it sounds like a jam. Yes. It sounds like they went outside to have band practice, <laughs> and then and then all they did was just, like, be like, okay, cool, we're going to play in this key, and we don't know what we're going to do, mm-hmm. but we're just going to let that meander for a really long time. Yeah. And they're just, like, kind of vocaling, and there are words in some of it, but it's just, like, it's bizarrely droney, and kind of like Scott and I were joking earlier today, like, that's, I'm sorry, but these aren't, like, traditional songs. You can say anything is a song, but when you think of, like, music and what a composition is, there there is a story there like i've always said there's like an exposition mounting action a climax and then a resolution and none of that happens i mean you listen to idiotech and it's like it literally goes nowhere or in, i'm sorry everything that one and everything in, in, in its right place it go you that you, song sucks you want to like it in the beginning because you're like oh this is interesting this is like new like oh it's electronic like what are they going to do with it it's radiohead they're going to like actually have a song come in right nope it's like four minutes of just like swelling yeah. on an electronic device one well, thing oh, that old well, sound wise we were talking about it the other day and it's like kid a could turn into this uh sound that's like um 
like an underground vampire rave club, yeah. <laughs> yep. like in a, in a turn of the century, you know, movie or series where they're like going to meet like the boss vampire that runs the club. And he's like, you know, and there's just people just being weirdly like rave slutty yeah. turn of the century it's like all style. Yeah. yeah, they all have like green hair and like fishnets because people wear that. I and guess it's like you could you could also be in a Matrix movie and that's like your backing track. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what Scott said. He's like, "What are you going to do at band practice? Be like, oh, stop, stop, guys, we messed up. Let's take it back from the whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> like, what are you doing, dude? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't give a shit what you want to experiment with and what you oh, I what I feel, but his like the attitude of the band, this like rebellion from like, well, I don't what I did before was junk, and this is what real music is, and all Ugh. the blogs and all the pretentious assholes telling you that no, this is like pushing boundaries, and this is what quote unquote doing something new is and in innovative is there is nothing innovative about rubbing popsicle sticks together and throwing cans at a wall and tuning it and guess what there is nothing new yes. and there's never going to be no. something new it's always marketed to you yeah. as something that's new but it's already been done it, it, there's eight notes yes. in every musical mm-hmm. scale Mm-hmm. You can make a synthesizer sound. You can bang pots and pans in the background <laughs> of your synthesizer sounds. But at the end of the day, it's all eight notes. Well, like and everything it's that fucking it. simple. Yep. It's like realistically, you, you could try to say that, oh, yeah, like what? This is like a little shinier than the other one. This is, mm. you, you know, like like a little more retro than the other one. It's like tones at that point. It's not yeah. the song. And yeah. to us, I'm not really interested in hearing different sounds in the way that that's what's revolutionary to me i want to hear somebody's story i want to hear somebody's personality Mm -hmm. like just the fact that we choose the choices that we make it doesn't have to sound that different Mm -hmm. it just needs to be what we want to sound like yeah well what's funny is like um with everything in its right place it's not even to me like the innovation there was like okay don't play guitar or drums Exactly. And that was that was the innovative like, point. Oh yeah, like that—that's the standard thing that you're supposed to do. So do so something. Just else. don't do that. Yeah. And, and like we're supposed to be like, whoa! Like, it's let's, like let's not have a verse, a chorus, or anything. Let's go. Everything in its right place. And I'm not even gonna keep <laughs> yeah. doing it because it's just gonna yeah, make you turn that this song on your butthole. It's like gonna make you turn this podcast off. But it, it's just it is a rebellion against rock music. And I'm sorry, but like. I don't understand how that's interesting to anyone. And also you have the luxury after this point of being huge and then trying to act like, oh, look, now this is what we're doing. I'm sorry, but we've always said if this was like somebody, your friend's band, who's like, want to hear my my album? I've just been working on this. Yep. This this is really what I'm trying to say. This is like my music, guys. And they were to fucking put on something that sounded like Kid A, you'd be like, oh my God, are they? is there something wrong with them? Yeah. Like, like are they mentally... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, are they just, what's going on? Like, what is, is everything all right? Because that's not music. That's just a bunch of sounds. But when you, you know, have the marketing and you have the name Radiohead behind it, then all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, this is so revolutionary. They're so genius. You're like, no, it really isn't. It reminds me, and there's so many things that do in this industry and in this life of the emperor's new clothes, the whole parable about the emperor's new clothes is that everybody's acting like, wow, that's amazing because nobody wants to be the one who says, that they are 
you know, the guy's naked. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you don't know the story, go look it up. But it's, that's what this is, is that nobody wants to be the one to trash it because then everybody's going to turn around and and be like, well, you're, it's because you're an idiot and you don't know music. That's, it's not music. Fight me on it. Fight me. So everyone just is looking at a naked thumb rolling (laughs) in the street. Exactly. So, I mean, like after that, we freaking. <laughs> okay, so after Kid A, you have this other album called Amnesiac, and yes, then Hail to the Thief, which I yes, Hail to the Thief. Hail, sorry, that was the one that was supposed to be like making fun of George Bush. Like, oh, that's right. Like, how do you get so unrelevant I that know. now you're like, I'm going to make fun of the American president? It's like with my album. Even, like, honestly, like, yeah, George W. Bush, kind of a fucking idiot, but like. Well, like, what else are you going to do? Dumb- like, that's Green Day did the same fucking thing. Like, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> with American yeah. Idiot. You're yeah. on par with that. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, like you said, you're you're not being transformative. You're not being revolutionary. You're being very status Every quo. fucking idiot who knows it like, oh, the general cool public doesn't like this president. So now we're just going to make fun of him in our song so everybody can go, yeah, you guys are cool. And it's not edgy at all. It's what no. literally everyone's trying to do to be cool. So congrats for getting that. Did everybody forget that edgy also is not doing what's cool yeah you know what i mean like going against what everybody else thinks is cool is what is actually edgy mm-hmm. so what the actual fuck when did it become just joining the bandwagon mm-hmm. of what everybody else thinks is not cool that's why i hate dogs <gasps> get out of this oh, house get out of this You're house like, don't at me <laughs> don't at us we have far too many dogs dogs are all evil <laughs> But I do remember in Rainbows, because I feel like everybody got excited that it felt like, oh, a real album is coming out. Well, like, they, they were excited about the premise. Well, and that's what I'm about to talk about, is that there was a cool, interesting marketing campaign that they did, and they were like really one of the first ones to do this. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, oh, look, Radiohead's back, because it kind of felt like this potentially could just you know be real music. What they did that was really interesting was they, at this point, obviously being an artist who has this, you know, privilege of success were able to tell their fans or anybody who wanted pay what you think the album is worth you could pay us excuse me you could pay a cent you could pay a billion dollars you could pay anything in between i know me and my friends paid 10 bucks yep so we were in high school we felt we that was something we could spend our you know ten dollars was something we could reasonably spend on it and you could you literally went to their website and you put in whatever amount you wanted charged it and they and you got to download the entire album and i thought that was pretty interesting and it was really cool and that's what you know got a lot of they got a lot of press for that obviously big um that's kind of nuts honestly i didn't know about that yeah but then i listened to the album and i didn't like it so yeah well and they probably they just had so much money anyways that didn't matter like there was some it was not it was a little bit better than your kid A because well, it was like typical more typical song structures. Yeah. But I mean, it wasn't anything like the Benz. You know, it wasn't anything like okay or computer. Okay computer or something, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, and also too, like to some extent, a lot of times it's like a reverse psychology. What people will end up doing is very few people feel comfortable when you premise it with pay what you think it's worth. Yeah. Because they feel yeah. like it reflects poorly on them. Like if they put in five cents, even though they know that like. Thom is never never gonna look at them yeah. and go like you only paid five cents you're a piece of shit they immediately feel the sense it's of like the being piece a of shitty shit. tipper yes yeah. exactly and then the other people who you know want to be the most pretentious ones will be like 
I spent $400 on it. Oh, and yeah. Like, told their friends, like, oh, look, like, I'm so devoted to the band. Oh, there's And they knew that that was going mm-hmm. to happen as well. You know what I mean? I mean, and this was 2007. So, I mean, that obviously, there wasn't the amount of internet. Yeah, people weren't buying CDs anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's also wasn't the amount of internet, um, like, dialogue that there is now. Yeah. In comparison to now. Like, now everything is so easily talked about in such rapid, you know, fire um back then it wasn't as like you know immediately it's true i think all we have is like like myspace yeah myspace was like at the, the big thing and it was also kind of on its last legs and then 2008 2009 is when facebook launched and that wasn't huge for, exactly. a, for a while so we were in this kind of in between of social networks to where you just have to read online articles about other people's opinions on it and yeah like i said i mean we have body snatchers nude um house of cards like freaking reckoner videotape there it was fine it was like oh 15 step like it was okay it just wasn't knock my socks speaking off speaking of um just like the we're campaign about- the marketing campaign was like the bigger deal yeah so after in rainbows you have the king of limbs and then a moon shape pool which i didn't even care to listen to at that honestly point. i haven't listened to either of those things. no don't even care and then there's most recently which was i'm sorry we're calling hard bullshit on this this oops leaked oh fucking what was that God. scott this oh it was so contrived they, they said that that a hacker threatened to release all of their outtakes <laughs> because he hacked into tom york's laptop mm-hmm. and wanted some exorbitant sum of money to be able to okay i won't release them if you give me this exorbitant sum of money so radiohead released them all on Bandcamp. i call bullshit yeah I don't even have metal songs on my personal laptop that I've made recently. Like, like they they would be on a hard drive. Why does he just have random outtakes on his laptop? No. And let alone like in a format that's on releasable. A, yeah, like you said, in a recent laptop. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Like, so yeah. All just packaged and ready to go. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, oh yeah, just hacked it, found it all in your laptop. It's like, no, that sounds like a really big marketing stunt. Yes. Just to get like this. Oh yeah. Now we're gonna go buy him. Say fuck the and hacker. And also, I would I exactly. That's the other thing that I don't like about the the bullshit of it is that it's also and look at me i'm like fucking what is it so punk rock and i'm punk rock and i'm um i'm uh, steal from the rich and give to the needy i i won't allow this hacker to exploit Mm -hmm. my music i'm gonna give it away for free rather than think that you can you know blackmail me or whatever extort me it's just, it's so, the fact that they have to have this story around it. Exactly. I mean, like I said, there's a big thing that I'm going to talk about with Smoke and Mirrors, and I'm I'm going to, I feel like I want a whole like podcast on it in the industry, which as we know, I mean, it's all fucking, it's like 90% Smoke and Mirrors, and that's what pisses us off, and that's kind of why we do what we do, is what you see is what we what you get. You know, we're metal. We're, we are, our ability to get through shit using our character and who we are, we're not some contrived fucking pretentious thing that's going to come at you in some disguised marketing ploy. (laughs) We're just us and we're making the music that we actually genuinely just want to hear. We're all this hot in real life as well. (laughs) Exactly. No Photoshop, no filters. But I just think that that's kind of what pisses me off more than even trying to get the attention so late in the game is is how the story they've spun. It was okay. Oh yeah. Just made me lose interest. Just when it seems fake and like just so forced, it's just little... Like, I mean, you're already saying it, so. But I mean, I think that that's kind of just in summary, 
my whole feelings on Radiohead. A lot of love, a lot of despised feelings. Like just like disgust. Said, like we said, like a family member. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot that I think when you're really interested in somebody's work, you can't, you know, strong feelings, the opposite of what hate or opposite of love is indifference. It's not hate. Yeah. And that's what I think it's like, it, it gets to this point where you, ju- it means so much to you and you pick it apart that you end up finding the things that you don't like. And I think that's what makes life interesting. But um, we always conclude every segment of every podcast with the question that goes around the table. Do we think this particular artist or band rocks? So I will start. Megan Rice. Yes. Okay. We're listening. Do I think Radiohead rocks? And honestly, I'm going to say yes, because they write their own songs. They make their own music. They do what they want to do. There's lots of things about them that pisses me off. Um, But for the most part, they were very influential to me as an artist, very influential to me as a person. And I think that they... They allow for a type of rock music to exist, and they give it a space that didn't otherwise exist in the in the mainstream media. So I think that they they did a lot, and uh, love them or hate them or both. I think they rock. Die boy. Yeah, um, this guy gives Radiohead two thumbs up. Yes. Um, I I think they rock. Uh, I mean, their earlier years. I think they're fucking booty after that though like oh yeah but i mean you know i artists are almost never 100 percent of the work is awesome you know what i mean like i'm sure nirvana if they you know kirk didn't blow himself up like <laughs> yeah. uh oh yeah like he, they probably would have released some stuff that i really just was like god this sucks because even like the, some of the earlier stuff i was like dude ooh. so i mean you know I, I think for what they are though i think they did a great job at the beginning I think I got the poignant take. Oh, yeah. What's, what's Scott Gossett got for us? I think they did <gasps> rock. Well, that's cheating. I don't think that's cheating that's at all. That's what I would say. Okay, well, hmm. I said it, though. <laughs> I think that they did rock. I think that, they had, you know, OK Computer, to me, was the pinnacle yeah. of them actually making really good interesting interesting and innovative without having to try so hard you know Mm -hmm. what i mean it became such a try hard point that it was just like okay yeah we get it like you really got to prove something to us that Mm -hmm. you're so innovative or you're this that you straight away from being able to make such good melodies and i mean i think that this might be a personal problem with myself and that's that you know because you always argue like the picasso point picasso shows you he could paint great paintings that like you know look as good as anybody else who could paint very well and then he goes on his abstract thing to show what he really wants to paint so maybe thom (laughs) really just wanted to do weird shit in the first place and wanted made songs that he knew could be mainstreamable at first and then just went on to make his weird shit because that's what he wanted to do Sure. So I can't fault him for that if that's like truthfully what he wants. We've even talked about doing that. Yeah, I'm just hoping that, yeah, but not the Leathery River Dad, something completely different. But I mean, taking, not to go too far off straight, but then take the John Frusciante approach, make your own music for yourself. For yourself. And stop trying to make a media push and try to like do stupid fake publicity stuff. Well, and that's why I like that guy so much, is that he decided that he just knew that he wasn't going to be able to, he didn't have an audience for his music anymore. You know, if people wanted to listen to it, cool, but it wasn't something that he wanted to be trying to push to Mm -hmm. the mainstream because he knew that it didn't really make sense for everybody to listen to this. 
And I think that's a really, honestly, a fair point. And that's why I chose Radiohead for this week. I think this was a cool discussion. Um, I'm going to conclude it by saying to go online, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. We have two EPs, Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. That's the name of our band. Two five-song EPs. Go download it on Apple Music, iTunes, which will not be there for long, but that's a whole other story. Spotify, all kinds of... Wherever you can find music, you can find our stuff. Go on Facebook, like the band page, Metal, and ask to join the Metal Heads group. Again, M-E-T-T-L-E, Heads. Mm -hmm. We discuss everything that we discuss on the podcast on that group. We debate, we go back and forth, we talk about other artists, influences. It's a really cool space to just chat about music. It's not bullshit, it's not spammy or virally. We, We really do keep it you know, talking about music and, uh, fight us, fight us in the comments. Yes. Also follow us on Spotify because following us on Spotify is a big help as well. Oh yeah. So with that being said, that does it for metal and we'll see you on the next one. Tang out.